Why so serious? Why? Because we have God's word and we are going to take it seriously today as we dive into it at Biblia Scola. But hopefully we'll have a little fun too along the way. Hey, today you are in for a treat because we are going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we are going to be primarily looking at um, the body of Christ, but this week, the basis for that body. What is the Bible? Paul spends a lot of time, and I know that doesn't sound important, does it? Oh, you'll find it's very important. In fact, many of the issues of today, I believe, could be solved if people would take these Bible verses very seriously. And so listen carefully as Matt and I dive in, and, and you see what you think about what we say. Welcome again to Bibliascola. I'm Pastor Adrian Essigman, pastor of Austinburg Baptist Church, and this is uh, Pastor Matt Turboff of Prestburg Baptist Church. And we are today looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Matt, would you like to read that for us today? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at the uh, first verse, I guess, yeah, and uh, this will be in the English Standard Version, and as always, I do encourage you guys to really uh, join in with the reading of the Word. So this is what uh, is said in First Corinthians 12 and following, verse 1 and following. Now, concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were left. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a person. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. First, just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. But if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has still composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, so that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of him? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. The word of the Lord. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. You did a great job reading that. So let's uh, let's look at the first three verses. Uh, and I, I know your outline really starts at verse four, so we won't take too long, but go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Yeah, we'll go ahead and start right at the beginning. All right. So again, and Matt just read this. This is It says, now about the gifts, brothers and sisters. You know, I like that right there. I, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I'm seeing a lot of division in our culture, and I know some people would even accuse me of it uh, in that – uh, you know, opinions are becoming more polarizing. Uh, hmm. And I'm not going to claim every opinion I have is correct. Uh, you know, and I don't even want to get into it right now because like, this is the different things, even this week or on social media, people have been arguing about. But I like that brothers and sisters. You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, sexist uh, claims, you, you know, uh, one way or even the other men are starting to say that women are sexist now. And, uh, and it's going back and forth. I like that brothers and sisters, uh, right off the bat, we're looking at a totally different dynamic than what's in America in 2020. I I mean, people can say brother, they can say sister, but I, I think that has no meaning outside of this passage. And this passage defines what that means. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think, one of the amazing things in, in really in this culture that, that Paul was speaking to is, um, and, and really the other apostles, that when they talk about unity and they say that neither male or female or slave or free or whatnot, they were really in, in, in perhaps an even more divided culture in some sense of this is your sphere and this is that sphere and there's no crossway. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Think about, um, was it at, I don't think it was Corinth, but maybe it was. Which one was when they dragged in Paul and stuff, or maybe it was the leader of the synagogue. I don't remember which. And the judge was like, oh, I don't care about this stuff. 
and they actually beat up the Jewish people that dragged them in. You know, and I'm not I'm not advocating yeah. beating up Jewish people. I, I just mean, like you say, they were very divided. They didn't even care. They were yeah. like, whatever. You know. I mean, at, at the end of the day, in the Roman society, there was really a sense of you had to follow some certain tenets, or you were somehow less Roman. And it didn't matter how patriotic you were or how how good of a Roman you were in other areas. You didn't follow some of their core beliefs. That was the end. No, go ahead. Well, that's why Christians got in such big trouble. Right. Um, and, 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 and the thing is, there's, there's a very interesting passage in Tertullian, or maybe it's just the martyrs, one of the church fathers, where they talk about, uh, you know, the, the Christians are, are some of the best citizens that you would ever meet. But because of some of the, their beliefs, and, and really chief among them, that they would not worship the emperor, um, among some other things, but because of things like that, that just kind of, well, you fit this part that we like in our culture, but because of what we deem more important, you're anathema to us. We, we got to get rid of these Christians. And, and really, there are several very, very severe persecutions of the church because of that. Yes. Uh, no. Y- yes. And they and like you say, they were considered. Yeah, that was a big deal to the Romans. Right. Uh, so so. Anyways, just all that to say that I think it is very important that when Paul and 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 really the the scripture as a whole says, "Hey, we're brothers and sisters," that was in some ways radical. But I think it's also a very core belief of the church. Yes. Uh, I, I, the, what I mentioned is Acts 18. Uh, and it says, uh, I'm just going to pick up the 14 because I don't want to make a big deal about this. But just as Paul is about to speak, Gallio said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor, this is NIV, by the way, or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, Ironically enough, the Bible in the New Testament says that we're not supposed to get involved in vain jangling like genealogies and legends and things like that. And even the world seems annoyed by this stuff. He says, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be the judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd turned on him and the synagogue leader, they beat him. And obviously, uh, and and it says Gallio showed no concern, whatever. Paul did not. You know, that was just like Matt says, that was just life. And the and other times the, the law does uh, go on the Jews' side. So it, like you say, it's a very polarized society, very political society. And, you know. All right. Well, back to 1 Corinthians 12. Um, so I like it when it says, uh, I would not have. No, wait a minute. I just happened to flip over to King James. And it doesn't say brothers and sisters. It just says brethren. In the NIV, so, I like the NIV, but knowing the... Go ahead. Let's talk about that phrase real quick. By and large, uh, Paul and, 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 and the New Testament will just say brothers in the original Greek. But okay. it really does mean brothers and sisters. It was just... um, They, they probably, you know, it was a different culture. They really didn't feel the need to 
perhaps separate it when talking. Uh, but honestly, it is just brothers in, in, in the original Greek. Um, and, and that's a different translation of, to, of how we should translate it. Um, but I think for our listeners, it's okay to, in your mind, say, okay, this isn't just talking about men. It is about the men and women of the church. Very good. All right. And so um, it says, uh, King James says, I would not have you ignorant. And IV says, I do not want you to be uninformed. And both of the, it's the same thing that in that this church has a problem with spiritual gifts and Paul decides to fight that uh, misconception. And you say, well, you know, how do I know there's a misconception? Well, because of First Corinthians 14, I, I know there's a misconception there. There's an elevation of the gift of tongues yeah. uh, and in Corinth. And Paul does not start out with chapter 14, which is what you would think he would start out with. Um, he starts out with a much more logical argument. He really kind of takes tongues versus other gifts right out of the equation, kind of explains how it all works before he goes into what their problem is. Yeah. So then he says, uh, verse two, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced or led astray by mute idols. And King James uh, has the same kind of idea. It says, even as you were led. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It makes a point of the mute idols. I think, Matt, maybe I missed, you probably noticed in my notes I sent you, but I think this we're dealing with the culture built around these idols and I think the reason they say mute idols is, in other words, these idols aren't actually alive. So you've invented this, for lack of a better word, make-believe world around these statues that, I mean, the Bible does say that people are worshiping demons sometimes when they do idolatry. But I, I don't think it's like Marvel Comics where a, a demon is in the idol and it, it favors you. or what, I don't I don't think the demons care that much. I, I think yeah. they do what they want to do, but I don't think there's actually a demon called Molech. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but. No, no, I, I think you're right. I, I think, yeah, certainly sometimes uh, false gods are, are demonic inspired, but I think there's just as many passages uh, uh, where it talks about idols being mute, deaf, or dumb. Uh, Jeremiah has that whole kind of, oh, what chapter is that? Um, but Jeremiah kind of talks about the, the silliness of worshiping idols that someone has made. Uh, because they don't do anything. Yeah, that, that that's something the Bible is very clear about. Even if demons are involved with these idols, uh, the the Bible is making it very clear that these idols are powerless and they're they're just they're worthless. Yeah. So you've built up. So I think we're more talking about pay. And let's face it, we have idols in our culture. Uh, you know, the the Bible talks about. Um. That life does not consist of things. The Bible says uh -huh. we, we can only serve God or money. And uh, I, I honestly think that people uh, center their lives around certainly worldly things yeah. and that they're committing idolatry. It's all they think about, all they talk about. It influences them. And, and so just like, you know, I don't know, your car can't talk to you. Your action figures can't talk to you. Your you know, and I said, I think we need to be very careful how involved we get in what the world's doing. Yeah. And, and, and what they you know, talk, Right. And, and I think, you know, 
sometimes we, we, we focus on idolatry just in the sense of material things, but there, there's a sense in which uh, perhaps we don't even realize it, but just as much as the Romans at times worship their leaders and other ancient cultures, there's many of us on, on whatever political spectrum that kind of look at some, some of our leaders and, and almost worship them. Yes. No, you're right. Almost to the point where if, if you criticize, you have committed blasphemy. Yeah. You, you have mocked the whatever cause person, you fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Verse three, therefore, I want you to know, oh, this is the NIV, that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Um. And uh, King James just says, call, call of Jesus accursed. But um, I, I think you could disagree with me. I, I think what this is talking, like, let's say you went to a store and there was a rubber hand on, uh, on the counter for sale and you picked it up and you put it in your hand and say, see, this is my hand. Well, I would look at that and say, no, it's, that's not actually your hand. Oh no, it, it's my hand. See, no, it's it's just a fake rubber hand. And I think that it's okay for believe. I know we're, today we're big on not judging people, and I get that. But if someone has no problem using Jesus Christ as a cuss word constantly, doesn't even feel bad about it, doesn't even like, hey, I'm still trying to get over my old life. I am so sorry to use the Lord's name in vain. I they just don't even care. I I think that that is a bad sign. Either this believer yeah. is struggling with their walk with Christ, or they're not even saved. And if they say blank Christ, I don't really care about him. Well, then you're, if you mean that, you're probably not a Christian. I don't care if you think you're a Christian or not. I don't care if you pray to prayer, <laughs> you know, yeah, well, or they true. need to repent or they, or they got a sin problem and they're mad at God and they need to repent. But I think the Bible, because it just says the spirit of God, it doesn't say whether you're saved or unsaved. I, I, I think that, I think sometimes believers when they're walking in the flesh, say a bunch of things that God isn't in. That's like, I, yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't feel like about any of those things, you know. Don't drag me into this, God says. Uh, you know, so anyway, I, I think before we talk about body, it's important that we're only talking about saved people. And I think disorderly parts of the church, you're either talking about a Christian. I, I think it's okay for the body of Christ to go, I don't think what you're doing is of the Lord. Oh, yeah. it is. No, no. Everybody else in the church is very concerned about X. And that doesn't mean they're always right. It could just be a cultural thing. You know, mm -hmm. maybe the church needs to sit down and better understand each other at that point. But it's it's okay to be, especially if someone starts like blaspheming. Well, anyway, I, I think I made my point. Anything you want to say about that? Well, just that I, I think you are right that the church does have a job of, of, I don't know if I want to say judging, but disciplining of, of, of trying to help its members get back onto where they're supposed to be. And, and I honestly think that if we, as a church follow, you know, the recommendations of Christ, of uh, you know, doing things privately, and then if need be kind of escalating it, things would be smoother. It's never about when, when someone falls, us saying, okay, you're a horrible person and we want to, you know, beat you out of the church. It's like, okay, you've messed up but we want to help you get to restoration to, to back to where God wants you to be. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's uh, any sports team is going to feel like that, any job, any business. If you have an employee not doing their job, it's going to create tension at the job field. Well, why does Sally get to sit on Facebook all day when everybody else is working? You you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, that's disorderly. That, you know, and everybody knows she gets a paycheck, and this isn't gossip. Everybody sees that Sally actually is not working at all, and Sally doesn't care. Well, at that point, right. there's probably going to be a con. You'd imagine there would be, a, unless Sally is the boss's daughter or, or niece, uh, Matt or granddaughter. You'd imagine there'd be a conversation coming. You know, right. and it probably should be a conversation if they're a family member. But there's a conversation coming there, and it oh. should be anyway. Yeah, you know what else I like about this? So. We're going to get into gifts in a little bit here. And of course, and I've got Pentecostal brothers. I love very much. I mean that they're, I, I think, I think Baptists sometimes dismiss Pentecostals far too easily. They are far more intelligent than people realize. And they're definitely saved. That means they do have access to the Holy spirit. They may put a greater emphasis than I would on him, but I, I, I think that mistakes are made sometimes. But one thing that is interesting, if a Pentecostal tells you, or a Baptist for that matter, that I am full of the Holy Ghost. Well, one sign that you really are walking tight with the Holy Ghost is that you're going to start talking about the Lord Jesus. Think about how many times in the New Testament, hallelujah, people are praising the Lord. They're right. magnifying Christ. They're magnifying the Father. Not that the Holy Spirit isn't God. And I don't think Pentecostals are wrong if they thank the Holy Spirit for what he does or even lift him up. I don't think that that's incorrect. But if no. you are full of the Holy Ghost, you are going to be lifting up Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's not because his spirit yeah. is inferior. It's just, that's what he does. <laughs> that's what he does. You know, yeah. it's his role. Well, it, it, it's similar to the fact that Jesus, um, it, uh, of his own volition, gives himself a subservient role to the father. Absolutely. And he has no problem. In fact, the new Testament tells us he didn't find it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself basically a servant. You know, he didn't, in other words, he didn't feel ripped off. He wasn't like, well, why do you get to be the big authority figure? I have to be the subservient yeah. son. Nope. Wasn't even a problem. Yeah. And, and I think and, there's and, blessings sometimes in being our role in the body of Christ. Some people like, might be like, like Korah and Moses, Pastor Adrian, why do you get to be the pastor? Well, right. first of all, being the pastor isn't all what people might think it is. I don't mean that to complain. I just mean each role in the body of Christ has advantages and has its trials and crosses to bear, you know? And right. uh, I think some people lust after different positions in the body that either God wants them to go out and fulfill that. And in other words, if you have a strong desire to be a bishop, don't try to take over the church you're in. Then go to Bible college or follow that, you, you know, right. become a pastor. Uh, if that's what God's calling you to do, but don't be mad at your pastor for doing his role of <laughs> being a pastor, you know? Right. Um, but I, I do think it's important as a slight aside though, that sometimes I, I think you're right that um, those of us that aren't Pentecostal, we might kind of not talk about the Holy Spirit as much as we should, but it does, it, he is one of the, persons of the trinity the holy spirit is god as equally deserving of worship in all of that yeah um yeah i agree with that that the pentecostal is not sinning when they magnify the holy ghost they can't be they're magnifying god now i, yeah. I think that roles are important in that like even in prayer we're to pray to the father in the name of christ understanding it's the holy spirit that's translating for us i don't think it's a right. sin to th- thank the holy spirit for his hard work in that area and for his blessings in our life 
but you have to, you know, but I think that there is an order there that's been given us, you know, that we should follow, but you know. Right. Well, there, there's a reason that the, that when you read the scriptures, you do get a sense of the Trinity and that each person is this thing. Um, and they, they're each playing a role. Now we, as humans, not might not fully understand how all of that works because, Hey, that's hard stuff. Right. Um, at least I hope that you and I can admit that it's kind of hard to understand some of those things. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you can use illustrations like the egg and other things like that. But the one thing I try to stress to people is we do not understand how three distinct individuals can be one person. We do not grasp that. And, and I think it's because we're not God. You know, we, right. we have pictures like that. I used to say husbands and wives are the closest thing to the Trinity. I actually wonder now if it's the husband, wives, and kids. And I know that sounds silly, but you've got the husband, which is the father. You have the children. Let's just use uh, a boy for a minute. So you got the son, but not the daughters don't count. They certainly do. But just for the illustration of the Trinity here. And you have the mom, who I think personally represents the Holy Spirit. And I, But even that is an imperfect picture because your mom is definitely a distinct, different individual from dad. And the kid is different oh. from mom and dad. So we can't, we can use illustrations. We can try to under, yeah, but you're right. We can't understand. That's my biggest problem, by the way, I'll throw this out there. I don't want to talk about this right now. We can talk about it another time. My biggest problem sometimes when you wade into Calvinism and Arminianism is I don't mind talking about it. It's part of the Bible. And I don't mind listening to points of view that I don't agree with. But my big problem is people that I think seem to think that they totally understand the issue. And like, if we don't understand the Trinity, how are we going to understand how God runs the universe? You know, I don't understand yeah. God's nature. I, and that doesn't mean that I can't look at the scriptures and draw some conclusions for that. That's not wrong. But sometimes I think people are like, I, I'm like, I, I think it's okay to admit that maybe there's not every, we don't maybe understand everything about this. So we should be very careful how much we think we understand here. But anyway, yeah. Side. All right. Well, it's now that our diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Um, and then, uh, so let's, let's look real quick. So Matt said, well, actually, Matt, go ahead. You read what you say here. Go ahead. <laughs> so Matt said, uh, Matt. Sorry. Uh, uh, so, well, you should I, be I, sorry. I think when we get to verse four, one of the things that Paul does is he really stresses uh, there's one God who, who provides uh, various manifestation of the spirit. Um, that there's a sense that we are all provided gifts. Everyone's provided gifts. Um, but as there's only one God, whether it is the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, um, we're all uh, given things as, and Paul stresses in this particular passage, as the Spirit sees fit. Hmm. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that Paul starts right away. Before he really talks about kind of how all this works, he says in verse 4, there is a variety of gifts. Um, I think that's very important. Um, that when, before we even talk about any other discussion is, we, we are each gifted differently, but we're each gifted differently by the same spirit, by the same God. And I think that's important in part because one of the things that's really 
interesting about the way God has created us is that he's created us to be individuals. Yes, and notice that these are gifts. A few things about gifts. I, I know these are kind of obvious things. I realize verse 12, uh, 12 uh, chapter 12, verse 1 said gifts as well. But let's look at gifts for a minute. Gifts are not something you earn. You're just given. So we're given these gifts and the world does not possess these, which is fascinating to me because a lot of believers, you mentioned earlier, Matt, the worship of people. I find it amazing that Christians get a lot of their ideology and thoughts from the world. Um, mm -hmm. And yet the world doesn't have these gifts. They don't have these supernatural empowerments. They just don't. I don't care how smart you are. And so, yeah, they're different. And that's important for the discussion that's coming. They're given. You didn't earn them. It's like if you can right. run fast. You didn't earn that. You just can. Some people go, I've always been really strong. Well, some people have to work really hard at that. When I was a kid in eighth grade, I realized I was really weak. So I started weightlifting and I made myself stronger. Fantastic. Some people just, they've always been strong. You know, and it just, yeah. God gives us different things in the world. And God gives us different things when we get saved too. Uh, no, I, I think that it I, it is very important to realize that uh, right away it's from the spirit, it's not from the world. And so I, I think sometimes we look at certain things that people can do and we kind of put that on a pedestal and say, okay, that is certainly a gift from God and, and, and that is all worthy and everything. And, and perhaps we're looking at it more from a worldly perspective than a godly perspective. Yes, because there are unsaved people who are the best at what they do, at least in the world, or they're in the cream of the crop. And some people are like, I just like listening to them better. I'm like, they're not even preaching the word of God, yeah. you know, left or right wing, uh, you know, a lot of political thought right now. So if uh -huh. you, yeah, I don't know if you're like, yeah, I, I don't know if you're riveted to the world and you're not riveted to the word, you're probably not in the word very much at all on your own. Yeah. You know, you just, Hey, check this out. So we got gifts. Next thing we have administrations. NIV, I think, correctly says service. I think that's a correct idea. But I don't think yeah. uh, King James is wrong here. Um, so you got gifts, and then you have service. And that, that makes sense, right? I mean, gifts are tools to do service. Would you agree with that, or would you say that's incorrect? No, I, I think I would agree with you there. So... Uh, we have different empowerments. And interestingly enough, in verse six, and Matt, I don't know what you feel about this, and I maybe should have checked your notes tighter, but I'm about to find out. In our uh, diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. I, I wonder if the reason the diversities of operations, I wonder if different gifts can solve the same problem in different ways. I, 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 in my C3 series, I, I don't want to wax eloquent about this. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a pilgrim's progress series. Matt knows about it. The listener might not. My point is, is that it really got me to think about, well, if I have the gift of helps, I might approach a problem differently than a pastor teacher person might. If I have the gift of hospitality, oh. I might approach, like, I, I'm talking about any situation in my life. A gift of hospitality yeah. person might make a pie for the person next door. A pastor teacher might try to get to know them and maybe play ball with them or something. Uh, a gift of helps person might see that, oh man, I noticed that they uh, their lawnmower is broken. I I'm going to go over there. Now, I'm not saying a pastor teacher couldn't see that the lawnmower is broken. I'm not saying a, uh, a gift of helps person might not bake a pie. But I just think right. that you naturally move different ways. And I think sometimes in the church, 
you approach tasks in the church differently. I, I just think you do. Like some want to love people, mm-hmm. others want to teach people. I don't think either are bad things. You know? No, I. In fact, I think that's kind of one of the beauties of the church is, and it's something I, I think we need to stress more and more is. Okay, you might not be the world's best teacher just because you, you yourself perhaps realize I don't like it, but perhaps you are a good cook or baker, and and you can do a wonderful service uh, of helping. You know, maybe an elderly person who who really can't cook as well as they used to, or you know, whatever it be, to in part show the love of God. Um, but we are empowered different. We are given different gifts that are, I mean, I, I love that Paul does say not just a, a variety of gifts, but a variety of services. Yeah, um, no, there's different things we have to do too. Yeah, no, there's yeah. Th- different, different things. And I, I was even thinking about, church sometimes we might approach uh youth group differently the pastor uh sometimes has vision so he wants and maybe well they, you know hopefully everybody's got vision how about this probably wants to lead the church in a new program or maybe tweak things a gift of helps yeah. person might see things that need to be fixed and just goes and steps in and just does it instead of complaining yeah. about it, they're like man i noticed that every week uh, this one job's not getting done by the church cleaner or whatever. I, I'm just going to do that. Or gee, yeah. I noticed the kids are really thirsty. I'm going to bring Kool-Aid next week. I, yeah. I think the gift of administration person is like, uh, Hey, are we getting follow-up information on these children so we can reach their families and maybe send them notes right. in the mail? The gift of, uh, and then you got hospitality person again, trying to make everyone feel welcome and warm uh, again. It just, it, but sometimes I think, so sometimes maybe a more creative or sporadic leader like me, uh, sometimes butts heads with an administrative person. Uh, Sometimes I'm like, no, let's not worry about all this meetings and stuff. Let's just do this. And the administration person is like, but we have to have meetings. We have to be organized. And then the hospitality person is like, well, I I think we don't love the kids enough. I, I think we need to be doing more for them. And the helps person is like, gee, we have all these areas that need to be done. I don't know. I just think each one, and I think sometimes too, the helps person's waiting to be empowered by the leader uh, to be allowed to do things. One of the biggest blessings uh, one time when I I, I was a youth pastor, and I I wasn't a perfect youth pastor, one thing right I think I did was I let people just do things. And they eventually, I mean, I I guess I would have called them a carpet if they started to do carnal or worldly things. But like one person was like, well, would it be okay if I brought snack? They said, you do what you want. And so they started and they even created their own area and they started to bring in like, it was great. You know, and I was like, this is fantastic. I didn't have to organize it. I have to make sure a snack was being brought. I didn't have to tell people what the guidelines were. They just did it, you know? course person to get to administration be like this is all fantastic let's just we all need each other you know yeah and and i think that that is important sometimes we don't stress that enough is that we do need each other that and and paul's going to talk about this later with with the one body and whatnot and 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 how some people self-humble themselves to sin um and and uh but there, there are times where and maybe this, this falls particularly upon the leaders of the church where we don't do a good enough job stressing, okay, each of you are here 
for a reason. You've been gifted by God. Let's see how you fit into however you, you work. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I have heard so many times, and, and I've not been in the ministry all that long, someone say to me, well, I, I'm the only person God's never given a gift to. Um, really? And, 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 and they mean it. And, and I think it's because uh, they have it in their head. Well, they, they want to do something fantastic, like, you know, uh, being able to be a preacher, maybe something, you know, miracle worker. They don't realize that. Um, and in Paul's listing right here, you know, he says the gift of administration that sometimes it's minor things that are important. I think uh, there are many churches that are blessed with someone who, who feels that uh, one of their gifting is just helping to clean the church. Oh, and it's vital. I mean, it's just so <laughs> vital. I mean, people don't realize how important even that is, is reflection of the Lord. Uh, it's a reflection on, and, and I'm the kind of guy that'll use the building for a youth event. And, and I think people will see that and they misunderstand. They think I don't like God's house or I don't respect it. It's not that. Once we got a youth center, I've backed off using it as much for that purpose. I, Although with COVID, we've gone back to using it in some ways because it's in PA and that's a long story. But yeah, no, I, you know, the Bible also says in the next verse the pro- to the profiting of all. And I think that's what you're talking about. Is that, yeah. oh, I was going to say something too. I've noticed this too. So someone will say exactly what you say. I don't, and sometimes they're older and they've been, you know, in church for a long time. They're like, I don't know what spiritual mm-hmm. gift I have. Well, I, I wonder a few things. One, are they, okay, so the thing is, are you involved in your church? You're not going to discover your gift, in my humble opinion. If you come every week, sit in a pew, and, I mean, I'm glad you come. Don't get me wrong and go home. I'm not trying to be mean. You're probably not going to figure out what it is the Lord has empowered you to do if you're not actually involved in the business of the Lord's house. The gifts right. are to do the Lord's work. They're, they're not actually just for you. Um, but I've also noticed something else. I think you're right. I've noticed that it's rather obvious to me sometimes after I work with a person long enough, maybe what their gifts are. I, not all the time. But sometimes a person with the gift of helps doesn't find their gift very attractive or appealing. It would prefer So their gift is obvious, but I think yeah. they would like it to be something different perhaps because I think that it sounds too servanty or something. And I think what they don't realize is sometimes the person with the gift of helps is, is an incredible, incredible uh, asset to the church. Sometimes there's just desire to do things and get things done in the Lord's house move ministries, move things when everyone else loses strength. Sometimes it's a person that gets of help to just like, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to bring this into existence. Um, so anyway, I, I think sometimes you're right. I think sometimes people despise their gift. They don't see it as valuable. And even the text is going to bring that out. So I probably should wait. The text is going to bring this out, but all right. So it's, um, oh, go ahead. No, no, you, you can go ahead. Well, now, 8 through 11. Now, I, I did see in your notes you talk about gifts. I, I, and We'll see if we agree or disagree. I wonder, though, in 8 through 11, and look, I know this is going to sound so baptistic, and that's fine. I, I look at some of these gifts. I don't think some of these gifts are offer, operating today, at least uh, in a regular capacity. And, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that I'm mocking the Holy Spirit. I think the reason Paul is bringing up these gifts, they're literally talking about tongues in the church. 
But you might people at home might say, well, what do I say that? Well, so the gifts of healing, you might say, well, uh, I think that there are gifts of healing today. Well, you have to understand the Bible, what we're, and look, if you have the gift of healing, I'm fine with that. I Look, I'm not the Holy Spirit. It's only my theory these gifts don't exist today. If the Holy Spirit has literally given you the gift of healing, I want you to understand something. That's fantastic. But understand what we're talking about, too, in Acts 5.15. And so much they brought forth sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. That is very different from what I've seen in our Christian world today. I, I've even had people say, well, I have the gift of healing, and I'll pray over you. And sometimes it takes a long time, months, but eventually God will heal you. Well, I don't see how that's very different from what a Baptist thinks. A Baptist prays about something. If God desires to heal us, fine. If he doesn't, fine. But I'm talking about it appears, unless I'm reading this wrong, Matt, that Peter's shadow could heal people. Uh, well, I, I think that's right. There's the uh, point where Paul's handkerchief could heal yeah. people. Yeah, and I, and I again, if God's empowered believers to do that, I, I'm not mocking the Holy Spirit. I haven't personally seen power on that level. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And one thing I believe, maybe I'm wrong, is I'm not saying that God couldn't do healing today. I'm not saying that, like, in other words, on a foreign field or even the United States, if God decides to heal someone miraculously through you, wow, praise the Lord. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I'm not, I, the Holy Spirit can do what he wants. I'm only a servant. I'm just saying, as I look at these gifts, even I, I believe, isn't prophecy one of them? Let me back up here. Where am I seeing that? Um, yeah, to another prophecy. Yeah. And people are like, well, sure, yeah. you preach the Bible. I'm like, hey, yes, but I'm not a prophet. Acts 11, 27 through 29. In the day, these days came prophets uh, from Jerusalem and Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus. And he signified by the spirit. And he didn't come up with this through human intellect. There should be a great dearth, or that's a famine throughout all the world, which came past in Claudius Caesar. The disciples that remained according to his ability determined to send relief unto the brethren dwelt in Judea. My son Matthew and I were talking about this yesterday as we were weeding and doing some lawn care. And we were both like, yeah, it doesn't appear that this gift exists. Otherwise, the church would have known COVID-19 was coming and might have a great idea how to fight it. You know, I think still the world, yeah. and even I would say myself, is a little confused about how much of a problem or without getting political, what the deal with COVID-19 is. And there's, yeah. um, and I'm just saying, if we had to get to prophecy, you know, could you imagine, uh, Hey church, uh, COVID-19, there's this disease that's going to hit and they're going to shut everything down. So you as a believer need to, you know, take these actions. No. Uh, Y2K. Um, believers were all over the place and what we should do. And some were like, Hey, this is going to be a big event. And, you know, uh, there's a guy that claims that he knew that Donald Trump, that God gave him prophecy. I think it's called the the commander prophecy or whatever. And I think there's even a movie about it. Um, I have, I was curious. I thought, well, you know, did this guy really predict this? Uh, I would just say, and I want to be very careful. I don't want to attack another person. As I listened to his teachings and his other predictions, I guess I would have to gently say, I, I don't, and I know this man claims he called it before the election. Okay, I understand that. If the Holy Spirit really gave this man that insight, praise the Lord. 
but it doesn't appear yeah. to me in my finite human wisdom, and that's not questioning the man's salvation or anything like that, that this guy actually is a prophet. I'm just, again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, just, so, I, yeah. so I'm looking at this package of gifts here. Maybe you want to point out a few. These gifts, I don't see healing or pastor, teacher, or I, I see the more dramatic gifts, tongues, prophecy, miracles, literal miracles. Look, I mean, I, I, I pray for miracles myself, but I, I don't, I've never asked God to bring down fire from heaven. I'm not mocking the Lord. I just, I've never asked him to do that. I, I, I don't think he would. Now, maybe he would do that for me. I don't know. But What do you think? Um, so I see these as gifts well, that are gone. What do you think? Gifts that have come back in the trip, but go ahead. What do you think? You know, if God wants to do something, God can do it. However, I really don't think it's normative for today. I think that you can actually, if you read church history, you can get a sense of, okay, uh, for instance, if you read the Didache, they, they, they kind of start to say, okay, prophets are among us. The Didache is written shortly after the book of Revelation, to give you a sense of how early it is. And, and they talk about prophets, but then they say, okay, uh, there are certain ways that you can know if a prophet's real or not. And, and it's kind of, if you read throughout these early documents, you get a sense that they were relying relatively early on, less and less on prophets. I, I, I do think, I also want to stress that, okay, if you, if, if we want to say, okay, we, we, we understand that some might say they're a prophet or, or have a gift of healing or whatever, that at the end of the day, you can say you have this gift all you want, but you still have to be biblical about it. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, and I, and like, yeah, I don't have a problem if someone claims, again, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not God. Maybe I misunderstand some of these teachings. You know, these verses are in the Bible. And it's only my theory that they're not in current operation. Uh, and I don't know... So I'm going to tell you my theory of why they're maybe not in operation. And Matt, I'd love to hear yours. And it's funny. We didn't actually talk about this in prep time today. Not that we'd prepped a lot today, but um, now that when I was taught growing up and this could well be true. So I don't want to mock it. I'm just stating it saying, I don't necessarily agree with it, but uh Baptist perspective, maybe you were taught different is that these are the opening days of the church. Uh, these are the sign gifts. And, and you know what? Maybe that's true. I, I'm just being serious. Maybe that is actually true. And that is the New Testament came in information that these things kind of passed away. And that would certainly make sense. I have a different theory. Maybe I'm totally wet about it. But I've noticed some past. I've already told you this. I've already told this on the podcast before, Matt. I forget what I told you. I, I don't think you All have. right. Well, I'll try to be brief about it. because. So this is only my opinion, Matt. And maybe I'm just dead wrong. But I notice in the Bible, when the nation of Israel is in ascendance, God is more active. It's my personal opinion. God is more active in the world when they are in decline or put down. It seems like God is less active in the world. And I don't mean that God is limited. God can do what he wants to do. I just mean that he chooses. Yeah. I'll just give you an example. Read the book of Esther, right? I mean, doesn't that read like 2020? In other words, if we were making decisions in 2020, doesn't that seem more like something from today? No prophet walks up and says, Esther, yeah. thus saith the no. Lord. How about Nehemiah? No. Nehemiah, see, now there were prophets in Nehemiah and Ezra's time, so I don't want to. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying with Nehemiah because his whole 
adventure starts off with he's looking sad, he prays to God, and he asks when the king asks him why he's so sad. There's not a, the prophet tells him what to do. Yeah, there's no supernatural. In, in Esther and Nehemiah, uh, Esther's relative says, look, I, I don't know. It, it appears the Lord's put you in this position for just such a time as this. Uh, you know, he's like, okay. and all, and then even Esther says, okay, well, let's all pray. And then if I die, I die. You know, she doesn't know for sure what's going to happen. Um, right. Even the lion's den, even with the displays of power there, they weren't sure whether God was going to deliver them or not. They were like, Hey God, and God yeah. does do something supernatural there again. I'm not. So my, my point is, you know, we, we we're like, yeah, there are a lot of miracles in the old Testament. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Are there? There are miracles in certain well, time periods in the Old Testament, <laughs> you know. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, I, I think sometimes we have in our heads that miracles were happening every day, but I think if you read, actually read, you'd be surprised that, um, uh, you know, they could burst here and then you don't see a lot. No, and, and I, I wonder, I could be wrong. When the nation of Israel is actually a kingdom on earth, you see a lot of miracles. I, and I, and I wonder in Revelation if why we start seeing miracles again is God is bringing his people back to himself and they're restoring to a right relationship. Look, and, and then they rule the world with Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is ruling the world, not the Jewish people. But, but yeah. the Jewish people are in ascendance in the millennial kingdom. They're the capital of the world from what I can see. And So anyway, I could be wrong, but I'm wondering if, the offer is still made to the Jewish people. And as the Jewish people reject, you, you know, that offer that I, I believe the offer Christ made is once again, extended to the disciples yeah, the apostles. And I'm not, and a lot of Jews got saved. That's great. But I think yeah. that the door is closed. The temple is destroyed and signed gifts seem to fade from the world. You, you know what I mean? And, and then the Bible says yeah. in the last days, and my, my son Matt brought this up, and I got a Pentecostal friend that brought this up to me too. Uh, the question is, is it before the trip or after the trip? But Joel talks about he pours out his spirit, young men will dream dreams. People are like, we don't need dreams anymore. We have the Bible. I'm like, then why are they dreaming in the tribulation period? I don't, I don't get yeah. it. I mean, I realize all the Christians, mature Christians will be gone. Maybe that's why I'm not trying to mock. Anyway, those are my thoughts. I, and it could just be the opening day of the church. I, I'm okay with it. I go to heaven. Jesus is like, whoa, you are way off base. I Okay, that's fine. You know, I, I'm not staking my salvation on my idea. But. Right. Now, you know, I, I debate heavily on it myself, but I do find it very interesting. Uh, you read the Old Testament, you, you see all of the miracles there, but we have that period between the New and Old Testament. Yes. Where time of silence. there's not any of that stuff. Yes. In fact, uh, there's a very important passage in the book of Maccabees, and, and that's an apocryphal book, but it, it's got a lot of history in it. The wait, wait, when Matt says, just a minute, when Matt says an apocryphal book, Matt and I do not believe it's inspired scripture, which is why he stressed it's an historical document. Uh, you know, Matt's stressing that it has historical value, and there is history in the book. But it's not inspired scripture, so we shouldn't take every word and try to decipher every meaning. But that doesn't mean we can't look at it historically. That's what Matt's talking about. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's a fascinating passage in, in, in the midst of all of the revolts and everything happening. Um, Antiochus Epiphanes did a horrible thing on the altar of burnt offering. The 
Maccabean people uh, army is able to get back Jerusalem. They're able to take back the temple and they clean it out. But they had this altar of burnt offering. If you read the Old Testament, there were certain things you had to do. Um, but one of the things that they really aren't sure, okay, this altar has been polluted. What do we do? And they're not sure where you put the stones or anything. And the writer makes a very clear point in that passage that they set it aside. And, and this is kind of an interesting idea. There was a room in the temple where there was a bunch of stones. Because they put that there until a prophet would come to tell them what to do. Um, because a, 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 as far as the writer of 1st Maccabees was concerned, prophecy wasn't a normal thing. Anymore. Yeah, and, um, and I think that, you know, Deuteronomy 18 says, look, here's how you tell, I think it's Deuteronomy 18, here's how you tell a real prophet. What they say comes to pass. If a dude says um, something, it doesn't come to pass. The Bible literally says, don't fear them. In other words, don't. And, and I wonder if that, you know, and I, and I have Pentecostal brothers that say, well, that's a little too. And I'm like, no, I, <laughs> if you have to get the prophecy and you're speaking to the spirit, you're a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> you know? It's my yeah. opinion anyway, maybe I'm misreading scripture. And I think you're right. I think they looked around and said, well, clearly the gift of prophecy is not operating right now. Mm -hmm. Or, or there's no prophets, um, you know? Yeah. But I, I think one of the things that is really similar about those two periods, that period and our current period, is at that point, God had given them exactly what they needed in terms of, of his work. Um, and, and, you know, when, when the, the tribulation period comes again, that's going to be a new era. There's going to be a whole lot of craziness there. And so um, I'm not going to presume to even think about how crazy that world's going to be but it makes sense that again god says okay i i'm going to pour out spirit uh you know my spirit in a way that hasn't been poured out since his bible you know, times uh, you know yeah since yeah no and, and you know what you could be right i mean i have to admit that certainly makes sense and i think that would certainly lend credence to the traditional view not that there's anything wrong with traditional view that like you say that, I mean, if all the mature Christians disappear, I'm not saying I've changed my mind. I, I do think it has more to do with the ascension yeah. of, of Israel, the nation of Israel, but I can see what you're saying and what you're saying makes sense. In other words, Matt's saying, it, I, I, Matt, I assume you're a preacher of rapture guy. I, I, I don't, it doesn't, if, if you're yeah, not, I mean, it's, well, my point is yeah. if there's a rapture, I, I believe some people are like, well, you just look, I, you know, personally, I don't understand as I look at scripture, I, I think it's pretty, I don't, if you're post-trib, post-mill, fine. I'm just telling you personally, I don't see how it could be any other way. I just see the rapture too clearly in scripture. I'm like, whatever. My point is though, if I'm right about pre-trib rapture, that means all the mature Christians are gone in a blink of an eye. Uh, that's a pretty big problem. That's a really big problem. <laughs> And so, like what Matt's saying, I'm sympathetic to what he's saying, that, you know, you would need maybe <laughs> some things to help these, especially if they're under this intense persecution. Oh. Which, uh, well, you know what, we don't have time to get into that. So, so I guess we're shifting now, and I don't know how far, much farther Matt wants to go on this session, but we're shifting from... I personally, Matt, I view verses one through 11 as like the basis or the basic, the, the ideas underpinning the body. I see 12 through 26 as 
how does the body actually work? Now, did you see it that way or do you see it slightly differently? Yeah. No, I think you're right. I, I think Paul spent a lot of time within the first part of the chapter saying, okay, this is just the way things work before he gets into how, how it kind of plays out in real life. In right. I mean, if you don't understand that, there, that every believer has gifts, if you don't understand there are different roles and different jobs, if you don't understand that the world doesn't have these things, if you don't understand that they're there for our profit, if you don't, I, and then he mentioned several super like high level supernatural gifts. I shouldn't say high level. I don't know that the gift of helps is any different from doing miracles. I just think that he mentioned some of the yeah. flashier gifts on purpose. Do you think all those gifts have passed away or no? Honestly, it's one of those things that I don't think they're, they're I, I, I don't know if I would say they're, you'll see them all the time, but I don't want to say at the same hand that they're gone, period. God can do what he wants. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think we often see most of those flashier gifts nowadays. Um, I probably should have taken a little bit more time to study, for instance, the ability to distinguish between spirit. Yeah. Um, now, do you know what I wonder, though? You know, Peter says, uh, oh, who's the magician he's talking to? Uh, he's Simon, Simon the Sorcerer. And he says, I perceive. Basically, I think what he's saying is you're not even okay. saved. I perceive. I don't know that Peter was using a supernatural gift at that moment. Now, he, he may have been. I think Peter is literally saying, yeah. listening to you, I think the Holy Spirit's just telling me uh, you've got some problems here. And I think as believers we can see like to a lesser ability, some of these things today. Like in other words, you're talking to someone and you get this sixth sense, something's off. Like I was talking to someone and they were talking about, they were doing all these Bible studies and stuff. But man, as I talked to them, I got more and more disquieted. And finally I said, are you getting into seventh day Adventism? And they're like, well, no, I, but then three minutes later though, well, yeah, I've been listening to seventh day Adventist speakers. Well, Matt, I don't know what led me to say that. I don't think I have the gift of discerning of spirits. Do you see what I mean? Or the, but I was like, yeah. ah, this sounds weird. And that just popped into my mind. Uh -huh. And I just said it. I don't think I have the spiritual gift. And I don't think I have a word of wisdom or knowledge, at least as a normative thing. But I think the Lord gave me that in that yeah. moment, just supernaturally. Yeah. But I don't think that necessarily means I have that empowerment. I just think that was something the Lord did. I think a lot of believers can do that off and on. They just, the Lord gives us what we need in that moment but I don't know that that's a normative thing yeah. for us. Well, I, I think one of the things to remember at the end of the day, especially with the crazier, or maybe I should think specialer gifts, is that they come from God. That uh, if you feel that you have the gift of prophecy, kudos to you, but that's not because you're anything special. It's because God has chosen. I like the way you just said that. Even if you do have high-level gifts, Praise the Lord. But understand, it's not your power. So even if you can call down fire from heaven, I'm being serious. You literally could do that if the Lord wants. Fantastic. But it's the Lord that brought fire down from heaven. I'm not putting down Elijah. Elijah is an incredible hero in the Bible. But it was God's power he used. James says he was a man of like passions like we are. It's God's power. Yeah. And I think, too, 
So if God gives you a less flashy gift or a less flashy role or less flash, flashy duty, I, I'm sorry. You're just as important as anyone else. The woman that built the room for Elisha, now I just, I know I used a ja, but now I'm talking about Shah, is just as important as other Bible characters. And he really appreciated, right. he wasn't like, well, gee, she didn't call down fire from heaven. He's like, man, what is this? He was so blessed. He wanted to know how he could bless her. And man, what a blessing it is when you as a believer bless other Christians and they're moved and they're like, man, what? Man, you have blessed me so much. And you're like, well, you're an international speaker. And the, the person's like, yeah, I don't care. You've really blessed me. What what can I do? Um, well, you know, before we leave this, I really quick want to go through 12 and 13. Then maybe stop because I think it's really relevant for this week where whatever political opinion you have. Uh, I just watched a video uh, in Texas. Uh, there were people that were trying to rob a store. I don't know if that had anything to do with the current protests or not, but you know, certainly the, the unrest, uh, the store owner was Hispanic. He shot back. They left other store owners were, you know, uh, they were doing interviews. A black store owner stood outside of his store and took a baseball bat away from someone. But, but then he was saying, Hey, I've been oppressed too. I just don't want you destroying my store. You know? So what I'm just saying is not just saying there's a lot of unrest and a lot of angry people. And, I look at 12 and 13 and I, I just, I see something very relevant for today in that whether you're black, white, or Hispanic, male or female, whether you think women are being oppressed or not, whether you feel that black people are being oppressed or not. Um, and maybe you're right. I, I don't know. I'm not God. All I'm saying is the Bible says for by one spirit, we are baptized into one body, whether it be Jew or Gentile bond or free, made to drink into one spirit for the body is not one member, but, uh, but many, I, um, uh, Bible's talking about racial harmony here. I, not just racial, any kind of harmony, uh, different worker, you know, uh, what communism workers of the world unite. Well, that's not how God feels about it. God's like, no, no, no. Unite with each other. So you have a rich person in your church, unite with them, rich person, unite with the poor person. See them as an equal. Don't see them as, I don't know. What do you think? No, I think you're right. I um, I, I think that it's, it's racial, certainly, Jew or Greek. But there's also a sense that even that Jew or Greek could be taken not uh, racially, but culturally or intellectually. Um, you know, sometimes we have to, as the church, realize, hey, if you are Republican, that's okay. That shouldn't be what defines you as a Christian, nor should it be if you're a Democrat. It should be the Lord Jesus. But it is okay if you do differ on on political beliefs, left or right. Uh, yeah, as long as the Bible's and okay with as, it. Of course, and, and I think there are areas yeah. we can clearly yeah. just, well, even the current situation I talked about. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the application yeah. of the law. I, I, you know, I cannot, yeah. there are believers that are like, Hey, I think maybe the police, maybe people have been oppressed. Other believers are like, well, you're destroying yeah. the police. So I, I think both sides may have some merit. I don't yeah. know which side has more merit than the other. I have my own personal opinions, but I, I don't know that of the Lord. This podcast is about the Lord. So I'm not going to bring my personal opinions into this because I could be dead wrong and I don't want to spread. Right. Well, yeah. You know what, you know what, Matt? Yeah. Right. And I think 
I, I just want to say at the end of the day, what, whatever our opinions are on, on not just any issue that faces us, because we're fooling ourselves if we just have one or two issues currently that's on mine. But one, we, we, we certainly have to, you know, try to do everything biblically, and that involves you being in the yeah. word. But, but two, you have to have grace and mercy. Just because I disagree with you or, or you disagree with me doesn't mean that that gives r- room and reason to start name-calling and questioning my salvation. Or even intellect, <laughs> you know, or even yeah. – uh, Yeah, no, there, there's a big yeah. thing today where if I disagree with you, I'm stupid and apparently uninformed. Well, maybe I'm a stupid uninformed or maybe I just have a different perspective on it. And maybe that perspective needs to be changed right. in some ways, but maybe not. You know what I think's um I, I I think you know, so I told you that my son Matt and I were talking as we were working in the garden flower bed. And one thing we talked about is the fact that now Matt is a younger pastor for me from our listeners. Maybe you can tell that from voices, maybe you can't. But I'm clearly older than Matt. I don't think that really matters. But my point is we were talking about that there aren't as many from my limited anecdotal perspective, it doesn't seem to be as many millennial pastors today. I read an article where pastors like me, I'm close to 50 are now considered young pastors. I I don't think that that's a good thing. First of all, I'm not a young pastor. I'm middle age. Some older people in the crowd are gonna be like, Oh, you're young compared to you. Sure. But a younger person would look at me and say, you're older. You know, it's just all a matter of perspective. My point is, Matt was wondering, as we were talking about guys who graduated from Bible college and were not being employed as pastors, I wonder if sometimes these, what you're talking about, political ideas and stuff, maybe even slight doctrinal differences. Uh, And I know I had a friend who was about 10 years younger than me that was like, he didn't trust young pastors. He felt they were selling out the Bible and selling out the gospel. Um, I wonder in some ways, though, if um, the polarization we're talking about is affecting churches to where they don't want younger guys coming on board. And, and I think that that that's a mistake. We need to focus on the Bible's authority, but I mean, if the pastor coming in, uh, okay, let's say the pastor coming in wants to go to a black lives uh, matter rally, you know, uh, I think that would make some people uncomfortable, but I don't know that it's unbiblical. You know what I mean? I, I haven't attended any no. rallies like that. And it's because of my own personal opinions, but that doesn't mean that I can say from the Bible, you shouldn't attend a rally like that. And and I I guess personally, I don't think you should be destroying private property, but I I think that I I think a lot of these, some of these protesters, especially believer ones are, that's not their intention or desire, you know? Um, And anyway, my point is, is that like you say, Matt, I think we're too quick to dismiss each other and, too quick to gather birds of a feather that flock together. But like, you know, when people go, well, you white people, or we say, well, you black activists or you SJWs or you stinking, you know, white conservatives. I I wonder if we're really missing the boat. And and I've said this, I think pastors make a mistake when we only fellowship with people like us. I think we should fellowship with born again Christians. And I think that it's okay for me to not to want to maybe do a project with a born again Christian, but I think that there's great value to listening to what a reformed, a reformed Christian has to say. I might disagree with post-millennialism, but there are a lot of reformed Christians out there and they're very intelligent 
And I think at least it will give, I don't know. I just think that we're losing something as we're separating for everybody that doesn't think like we do. Even in our social media, we yeah. kind of separate for everybody. Oh, I don't really want to listen to that person. Well, you know, and that person doesn't always yeah. want to listen to us uh, either, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things that, right or wrong, one of the sad things about the internet is it's real easy to give one word twist about whatever you think and have a bunch of people say, oh, yeah, we, we agree with you. And then a bunch of people say we disagree with you. But there's no real dialogue. There's no real discussion. And I think in many ways, uh, the church is kind of reflective of that early period where, hey, you had a bunch of uh, Greek-speaking uh, yes. Christian widows and a bunch of Jewish-speaking widows. And, 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 and there's arguments abound. And it's out of culture. It's out of, out of uh, beliefs that aren't connected to the Bible and not about what actually. And suspicion grew. The problem was there was a suspicion that the church didn't like Grecian widows, and that was not the case. It was more they needed to be more organized. The gift of administration was needed. We needed spirit-filled people. And what's interesting, too, is the apostles go, you guys pick out these leaders. They, you know, sometimes people are like, well, yeah. in the Bible, they picked all the pastors. There are some passages that seem to show that. I wonder if more they were supposed to look for people with those gifts inside the church. Because the apostles tell the church, yeah. hey, okay, so here's what we're looking for. Help us find them. And they do. And everybody's thrilled. Everybody's really happy. You, you know, it, it actually creates yeah. more unity. And I think sometimes when we brush church problems under the rug, we're making yeah. a mistake. No, they need to be solved. But they don't right. need to be solved. I don't know. We need Jesus. So anyway, so the Bible has given us a blueprint toward racial healing, toward cultural healing, toward class healing. And I, I wonder, the Bible talks about people in charge. The Bible talks about people that are servants. And it seems to stress love and servanthood, not um, not hate and division. And I know that sounds easy for me to say. Yeah. Some people would say, well, your, your white privileges. I, I don't know. Maybe, but I, you know, uh, I spent six or seven years in a lower income area, uh, area uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, there were some, I don't want to get into it, but so sometimes those are easy things to say, like things to throw out or whatever. But I, I think the Bible doesn't talk about stuff like that. God's like, I'm creating a body and I've put other people in the body that you might not immediately like or agree with. You know, sometimes uh, let me close with this. Sometimes you walk into a church and you look at fellow Christians and you're like, the Bible says I haven't called many wise, many what after the flesh. I think sometimes we, we despise each other as believers. We're like, wow, why did God call these people? You know? And I think it's because we want, mm -hmm. we want beautiful, well-groomed, intelligent or we want tough, hard-hitting, no-nonsense. Or we want cultural people that we relate to. And so we, we look at this. Uh, so maybe God brings uh, a millennial in that doesn't have quite our opinions. And we despise them. We're like, oh, stupid kid. Or, you know, or we, uh, or God brings in an older guy who maybe has some more traditional views. We were like, oh, man, we that's the last thing we need at this church. I wonder sometimes if God brings in different kind of people from different kind of backgrounds.
to do something really cool with. I don't know. Anyway, I, we better stop because I, I, we got a long, long way to go. I don't think we're right. going to get there today. Oh, yeah, we're going for broke today. We're over an hour right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully this has been uh, somewhat illuminating. Now, I realize that especially with our last conversation, it is not even near touching everything. Oh, no. Talk about. This is not exhaustive. Uh, but, so I just – right. So, so as always, I, and I, I probably stress this too much, be a reader of the word and let the word be your main informer of things. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and be careful that you don't base a whole doctrine off of just one verse because it conveniently goes along with what you think. Uh, right. You know, a conservative can grab onto no work, no eat and make their whole doctrine out of that. And, and that's fine. But the Bible also says that um, we shouldn't, Life doesn't consist of things. the The Bible says, uh, "Let him that steals steal no more, but yeah. labor to give to others their needs." So, yeah, sometimes conservatives have more the idea yeah. that if I work hard, I'll get ahead and really make something out of myself. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily a biblical idea. And then, you know, sometimes liberals are more like, "Oh, hey, you know," and they ignore other verses of the Bible like "No work, no eat." And it's like. So as you study the Bible, be open to what the Lord is saying, not just what your biases are saying. Find a verse that supports your bias and just throw that out there. Say, hey, this is right. this is what it is. Make sure you're using the entire scripture. Exactly. Uh, but why don't I go ahead to make yeah. sure that we cut off here. Uh, close Sounds us off good. with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you at the uh, end of this particular podcast. And Lord, I do just want to pray that you help us to realize that, that above all, as believers, we are under one Lord, one God, one Savior. Um, and so when we think about that in gifts and, and the fact that each of us has been given gifts, that we are each given gifts that really uh, reflect the your planning and your desires for our life. As we think about kind of the uh, everything that's going on in, in, in our culture, and, and I mean in, in the American culture right now, that ultimately we may not have all the answers, but, but let us be men and women who seek you. Let us be prayerful about it. Let us be readers of your word. Let us whatever way we decide is the best way to help say i don't want it to be just my belief but let, let me have done this in prayer and in guidance of you lord um let us seek to be people therefore that seek the unity of the body uh above out uh but lord i, I truly believe and i know it, it, it's a quippy thing to say but I, I believe that no matter what uh the answer remains for the problem of sin and everything that the world needs you and so i'd ask that you help us to continue the the i think one of our primary objectives of evangelism um, because without you the world is going to be doomed anyway so help us to not be scared of that as we tr- struggle to figure out whatever answers we feel the need to uh God, I, I do thank you for allowing uh, Adrian and I the chance to be able to look at 
your word and talk about it and, and record it and, and give it out to the people that are listening. And I ask that you would just bless this time, bless those that are listening, and that above all, they would come out of this having a better knowledge of you. Because I just, at least with my personal prayer, uh, pray that uh, in the end, you are reflected in what we do. I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Biblia Scola. We hope you continue to express a desire to know more of God in His Word. Hey, look, please leave us a comment. If you have any questions or even just to encourage us, let us know that you were blessed. Our desire, though, is to educate and not to sow confusion. So please don't be afraid to ask like, hey, I didn't understand that at all. Uh, this is a production of Presbyterian Baptist Church and Ostmer Baptist Church, coincidentally, where Matt and I both pastor from. And may I just close by saying, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. God bless.